episode 27 of the Passion Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Zachary Frank. And on this rainy day in Brooklyn, New York, I'm joined by my uh, close associate, Chrissy G of Space Bacon. And What's up? Very special guest, Eli Winderman from Dopapod and Octave Cat. What's going on, guys? What's up? How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to do this. I'm sorry about this, but I'm, you know, I should put this ball away. It's just going to get <laughs> my dog loves the, he's obsessed with ball. You know, yeah. ball is life. I believe ball is the phrase. Life. I feel like the dog knew the cue. It was like Eli and just bark. Yeah, right <laughs> exactly. Hold on. Let me, let me just one second. Grab this one. Hey, give me that. All right. Sorry guys. No, it's all good. So Dopapod's back in the swing of things. Um, how's the band feeling coming off the last leg of your tour? I know you got COVID at the end, but yeah, they rallied and pushed through and, and finished strong. But uh, so how you feeling about it, being back out there? Feeling honestly great, man. You know, better than ever. It's been a long journey. And we had like the year off in 2018 when we got like super burnout on touring. And then we came back 2019, had you know, sporadic touring, not like full touring. And we were like, all right, 2020, here we come. This is our year. And then it's like, if we knew this was coming, we would have not taken that one year off a while ago, you know? Um, but now it's just, we're really feeling like it really feels like we are hitting a rhythm and a stride and we're, we all feel really good about the shows and we've all just, we've been trying to kind of go into everything with an attitude of like, you know, not like trying to not take it so seriously and like trying to like not trying to like impress all the time. And we feel like that's when like the best stuff happens when we kind of like let go a little bit. Just up there having fun. Yeah. Just trying to like mainly just have fun and listen to each other and like let things happen. Let, let it be a little bit looser and to like allow the space and the oxygen for it to you know, breathe and kind of make the shows unique and special in that way. 100% on that note, I want to, I want to talk about the Sony hall show, but because you brought up like 2019, um, Chris and I, on our way down to Philly uh, for their show at underground arts, we, we listened to the, the trapper keeper, the 57 minute trapper keeper from, uh, oh, cool. 10, 4, 19. Yeah. And uh, crazy stuff. You like that? <laughs> yeah. We listened to it pretty much like the whole car ride. It was, it just, it was, we were like, holy shit, this awesome jam. And it's many That's jams. Awesome. It's so many jams in one, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's the whole one song set thing. And that's always a cool challenge opportunity when you hit that wall where it's like all right this is usually where we would get out of this jam and go to the end of the song and you just have to come up with something else and just keep doing that over and over and so, so was that planned as a one song set i guess i hadn't realized that yeah i think yeah. i kind of forget exactly the mindset but sometimes we'll be like let's do like a two song set three song set or one song set um I think that was a planned thing. I forget kind of, but yeah. So when you do stuff like that, um, do you have any sort of roadmap or it's just like, 
completely free form, like let's see where it takes us, or are there like checkpoints along the way? Like maybe we'll do a dub jam at one point and a fun. Yeah, no, there's nothing. Nothing, none of that. Yeah, nothing at all. Yeah, that, just play the song, start jamming. Yeah, don't stop jamming. <laughs> That's kind of the you know the game plan. Um, yeah, it's just it's scary. I feel like the fear of not knowing what you're gonna do creates this energy out of it that you just wouldn't get in a normal set where it's like you're very naked it's like you don't have those moments of your songs that you know go over well that you can put in between these improv things it's just like here it is improv and we've done those like you know everyone orchestra stuff but that it's all improv but it's the it's also a similar thing where it's like make something up right now go and it is the same kind of uncomfortable feeling but with that you still have matt who's like kind of guiding things it's like are you coming now you stop here you play that um but yeah when it's just us making it up on the spot it's fun we kind of did a similar thing at the start of this tour we we did echoes and and we played a one song set echoes and that was fun too just it's like a it's a a nice way to make it special switch it up for sure um yeah so now that you've had a little break you guys are doing the the big fish after party on 420 at sony hall it's Mm -hmm. a new venue for you guys correct yeah i don't think we've ever played there although like all the i feel like all the venues in in new york are like always changing names i don't even know which one's which anymore but yeah i think that's an a new one that we haven't done yet cool and um so coming up when you were younger and, uh, you know, started playing with Rob and whatnot and, and being inspired by the bands that came before you, what's like, what do you think, looking back now, the main thing that you learned from a band like Fish about full band improvisation? Um, I think the main thing that we've learned over time is on a personal level, like not listening to what you're doing that, like trying to focus on what everyone else is doing. And if everyone is doing that, then it creates this kind of symbiotic net of, of people that are on the same wavelength. I'm so sorry about my dog. This is like annoying me too. I can't even think what it's all um, good. We're all dog people. Don't worry. Can, we, can we pause? Yeah. Yeah. Or is this pause. like, all right, just no. pause for one second. I'm going to put him in the crate and then no. I'll be right back. Sorry about that. No, it's all good. All okay. good. Yeah. So I think what we always try to do is like in life in general is like be, be in the present moment. And if you're like sure. thinking about what you're playing and not focusing on like, it's almost like you zoom out and look at the whole thing. Like, remember those things when you're a kid that it was like a weird collage fucked up looking thing that like you put your eyes up to and then like yes, you pull it yes. away yeah, yeah and then yeah. you can see the whole thing like i feel like that's what the when people when everyone's doing that it creates enough space to like let things kind of breathe and like like i said before like the oxygen like it allows the oxygen around the fire to like it allows for these interesting reactions to happen. And that's like the coolest thing I think with like jam music. It's like when you're watching people on the tightrope 
and you'll know what's going to happen, but everyone is listening to each other and not in their own world. You know, hundred yeah, percent. I think that even, um, you know, for me playing in a band too, is sometimes like, sometimes it's good to just like, even like stop playing for a second and just Absolutely. actually listen, just like a bar, four bars, whatever it is. And then, cause then you start to think about like, okay, this is what's going on now. Here's how I can fit in it rather than just trying to fill the void with notes, you know? I think about that a lot because yeah. I've, I've listened back to older shows where I don't do that. And I just keep playing the whole time and the bass, just the drums by itself is for full sound. Definitely. And then you add the, the bass too. to that. <laughs> yeah. Add the ba- bass and drums on their own is a full enjoyable thing to listen to. You don't really need a lot more than that at certain times of a set, just to hear the drums and bass happening. Totally agree. So then, yeah, and then like just throwing in little like bah! on top of that, Bada! and then letting the other things happen on like that. I love that kind of stuff, and I've been trying to. I've been really trying to be aware of not overplaying, and like you're saying, like sometimes don't play anything. Yes, yeah. that's I, why I, I also have like the bongos now because that's I noticed like, that. Yeah, that's I cool. can go to bongos, and that's just adding the drums. So that, I love doing that. Yeah, actually, I I went down to Asheville and I caught you guys um, this past June, and that's nice. one of the that's one of the biggest things that I noticed about your playing. Even Rob too is just like that textured minimalism and the the spatial awareness, yeah, of like using rests correctly and just adding like just little motifs and playing off of each other. And um, totally, like, as a drummer myself, I always. I always focus in on the drummer and like, you know, I've been seeing you guys for a decade, but, and I've always known frozen monster, but it was at that show for some reason, I had like an epiphany of like just how good he really is. Yeah. He's and so like, solid, man. Like not it's like, all right, we could go pocket groove chops, but like his one is orchestration, like the yeah. way he writes drum parts. But then also like after speaking with him, like, his knowledge on synthesizers and oh. like is, is crazy. And um, I was just curious, what's your favorite part about playing with him? Yeah. He's always, I think my favorite thing, but also like <laughs> he, like, I feel like I already have like way too much shit in my rig. It's like <laughs> so much. I'm like embarrassed when we like load in. And there was a moment where I was like thinking about switching away from, from the prodigy to the grandmother and I switched it out. And like, I saw some people saying it was cool. Other people saying that they didn't like it. And I started feeling weird about it. Like I liked it, but it's definitely different from the prodigy, which I agree with. And then I was like, all right, I'm going back to the prodigy. He's like, why don't I just use both? That's a good like, point, right? man. Yeah. I should just use Keep both, building the rig. Yeah. So now we have, but he's always like, he's obsessed with like, adding new stuff that's like which i love that you know i love that about him and like anytime i'm like i don't know what you do why not like damn you're right fuck it let's do it just that attitude i feel like spurs growth and evolution and that is probably my favorite thing with him and that he's just like such a solid player where he can like rock out and he's like actually like if you listen to him like we just did this nice party thing um in denver where all the amps and everything were in isolated rooms. So if, if you took off the headphones, all you heard was the drums. So just hearing him play like on the Instagram videos later, and he's like playing so much stuff, 
But when you like hear it in the mix with everything that's happening, it just makes you kind of sway back and forth. You don't really, it doesn't feel like it's like super busy, but when you like hear it isolated, you're like, whoa, there's like a lot going on here, but it's just interesting effect that I don't know. I don't I haven't heard a lot of drummers that can do that. So it's just, it's great playing with them. And yeah, that's awesome. I, I had, I think, I think I saw something on Instagram. It might've been Rob posted it, or maybe it was Fro something about how Fro was the one who pushed you guys to all either get on the grid or all link up to something, maybe his SPD or something. So you're mapping your arpeggiators, Rob's looping pedal. Yeah. The MIDI clock. Yeah. Yeah. This is exactly what I was saying where he's like, he, like when, when we went to Berkeley, he, I think his major was music synthesis. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And his, um, for lack of a better term, his, um, what's it called when you like, you get your doctorate, you're uh, and you have to like write PhD his, his like thesis. thesis? Yeah. Yeah. His thesis was basically like, like combining live effects with the drums. And he created this whole thing. And at the time it was more like just an idea for him. And he had, he had like a proof of concept kind of thing, but it wasn't fleshed out. Now it is super fleshed out. So he has the laptop and the SBDS and like all different iPads and everything. And he has a microphone that is sensing the tempo into Ableton. And then Ableton sends the clock to the grandmother and to Rob's looper. So he can like speed up and the arpeggiator will, will like speed up with him. That's also it reacts dynamically rather than having to tap tempo or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So he just hits that button and then now the clock is sensing his speed. And um that's been really, really cool to experiment. And like that, all of that would have never happened if he didn't have that attitude of like, let's keep doing new stuff, let's add this to add to that. Like, and there there'd be certain shows where like I didn't play the grandmother that much. He'd be like, dude, if you don't play the fucking grandmother <laughs> like three times in this next set, like um, I know like, he's just constantly pushing and pushing and he's just a great dude and he can hang with anybody. And, um, he's just, I'm so happy that he's in the band with, with me. It's great. Same, same, man. It's awesome. But yeah, you brought up, uh, the prodigy. I knew, I know Chris had a, um, a question about that specific synthesizer. Yeah, yeah. I, I did. Let me. I I wrote down a couple couple questions. Um, one By the way, the, space bacon, dude. Everyone's yeah. talking about you guys, man. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, people are pumped that. on the space bacon for sure. We're, we're, we're out there grinding, you know, doing the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, saw, I think I saw like a video, but sorry. Uh, no, that's that's all. Good. I'll take the compliment. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I saw like in like Dopa Fam, people were, were talking oh, about yeah. you guys a lot. Yeah, I love Dopa Fam. Um, yeah, it's fun times. A lot of Shrek. I don't I completely <laughs> understand what all the Shrek's about. We did I one sw- Shrek joke one time, and now it's endless Shrek. I almost wrote a Shrek question in here. Yeah, <laughs> I was, I was curious like, about that. That's a band thing, or it's a fan <laughs> thing, or it's kind of a... <laughs> for us, it was like a Tim and Eric thing. Right. Uh, right. There's like, um, they did a whole thing for like Shrek the Third. Like, they made like fake promo videos for that. And we thought that was hilarious. And we just did it at a show one time. And now it's just... Every other thing in Doba Fam is about Shrek. <laughs> it's so funny. I feel like it goes back to kind of what you were saying in the beginning. We could get to the prodigy question, yeah. but you had mentioned about like just going up there and having fun, and I feel like that's something that you guys do really yeah, well. Like, I agree. Whether it's the Shrek shit or yeah. you know, you guys have like the neon tape with the faces all over. You yeah. know, you guys, you you know, 
I think especially in jam music, and I try and remind myself this is like it's we're jam bands, right? We don't can't take ourselves too too seriously. Exactly. Um, you know, Fish always has this kind of you know, I don't know what you call it, like wonky hippie type vibe too, and that kind of runs throughout the jam world, like just having fun, fucking yes. around a little bit. Yeah. Exactly. Fun's the name of the game. I mean, they, they do the thing with like the trampolines and yeah, you know, their music is super weird too. So and you know, like bands like Ween, like we love Ween because they care about the music and their music is really strong and amazing. But then they get on stage and it's just like super degaff. Like we use, use that term all the time, degaff. Like, don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like yeah. they'll go and just like play solo guitar for 20 minutes. <laughs> in front of like 5,000 people and it's fucking amazing. And what it is, it's like being able to watch somebody be so carefree and like, not like not try to like show off, but just be like chill about it. And like being able to be in a huge crowd and watch somebody not be nervous, like empowers people that are watching, you know? Totally. Yeah. It's inspiring for creatives and non-creatives. It's just about freedom. Yeah. It just shows like, yeah, it's not, it's not a big deal. Shouldn't take this. I mean, you take it seriously in terms of like the work that you put in and want to put on a good show and, you know, want to put out new music and like keep the growth and evolution happening. But once you're on stage, like if you're like, you don't want to like force a smile either, but you know, hopefully you can get in that head, the headspace where it's just like, this is amazing that we're able to do this and we can just, you know, like we, we like to do like at least once or twice a show, just have like a moment where like we talk and just be, be just ourselves and say dumb shit and just be fun, you know? Yeah. I think the crowd vibes with that too. Um, yeah. Like when they see the band having a good time, it compels them to. Um, yeah. I, th- I think the last show I saw you guys at was Brooklyn Bowl. And I think at one point you guys all switched instruments, which like that kind of shit. It's just, it's yeah. amazing, you know? <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. We've, we've, well, we do, um, this one, this one song 23 forever. Yeah. That was where it. Chuck is just the front man. And then, and then Rob plays bass. And that, that's an example that that song is like very polarizing. Either you love that song or you hate that song. And I've seen people like get like, I fucking hate this song. I could see it. And I see people say it and like, but I love that song. I think it's amazing. And I've like people that I really respect their opinion. Be like, well, you know, will tell me like, I love that song. It's so awesome. Like, I know I love it too. So it's like, you can't make everybody happy. You know, I think every band has a song that they love that some of the fans hate, but you just yeah. play because you're like, fucking, I like the song. I don't give a yeah. shit. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I was we're talking about the jam world, but um, just like, from listening to you over the years and seeing your capabilities and the work that you put in behind the scenes. Um, I'm just curious outside of the world of jam bands, who are some musicians that have really inspired you both keys players and non keys players? Well, my favorite musicians alive right now, I probably would say John Schofield, O'Teal and there's a bunch of keyboard players that I love, you know, like John Modeski, um larry goldings there's this guy nils from he's incredible it's not jam stuff it's like he last time i saw him he had probably like 20 keyboards on stage and he has like an organ and like three pianos and 
like synths and everything is linked together. And he's like improvising like one man band with this huge rig. And his music is very, very cool. I really like, I really like that. I mean, I love like, obviously like my favorite bands, like everybody, I don't know. Everyone doesn't love them, but my, some of my favorite bands are like, you know, like Beatles and Radiohead. I just think like, doesn't get better than that in terms of like quality of music, in my opinion. Um, I and in we, terms of just being able to put out album after album, Radiohead yeah. and Beatles are the ones, you know, in my opinion. Yeah. Like Radiohead's the best band alive right now, in my opinion. They're just, in terms of their art, the level of their art and the presentation and everything about it. I saw them two nights in a row um, in, in Philly and completely different set lists each night. Amazing. Just so good. But yeah, John Schofield, I just really love the way he plays him, him and O'Teal. When, when they take a solo, it's like, you are along for this ride. And it just, every time it's incredible and it ends, it's like, holy shit, how do I get that good? I want to be that good. So bad. Yeah, I think those two musicians specifically, they really do have just that seamless connection between, you know, their mind, soul and their instrument and just speaking through it, their phrasing and whatnot is just spectacular. Yeah. That's what it is. It's like the phrasing, they could just, they could solo forever and you're never going to get bored the way that they phrase it. It's just, they put the, they, they stop at the perfect time and they leave the perfect amount of space and they build the energy with the rest of the band in the perfect way. And uh, yeah, I just love them. I noticed you speaking of Schofield, I think like just earlier this week you had posted, you were charted a Schofield solo and played it. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing that. I just find clips on YouTube. Um, and I put them into this thing called amazing slow downer and you can loop it and then you can slow it down. So I just take it bit by bit and I just memorize it and play it like a million times until I can do the whole thing at full speed. And it's a fun, like time flies by doing that. I'll be doing that. Like I probably spent like six or seven hours on that. On that. That was my question thing. is like, what's your process to that? Are you just like listening and like charting with the piano in front of you or, but that definitely makes sense. The slow downer method. Yeah. Just get, I don't write it down at all. I don't really? do it like, yeah, um, yeah. I just like, I'll play the first bit a million times till I have it. And then I'll like, all right, I'll expand the loop a little bit and add in a new phrase. And then I'll listen to it and then like, I'll try to play it, try to play it, try to play it until I have that. And then I keep adding it and adding and adding until I get to a point where I'm like, all right, it feels like a good chunk and it's a good time. Yeah. Slowing things down, I feel like is definitely the best way to learn things. Yeah. Cause I remember like when I was younger, I would just like, if I learned a song and like listening to it on YouTube or something, right. You just kind of flub through some of the the quick little parts, right? And and mm-hmm. you got the gist of it. But then the YouTube has that built-in feature where you can just set it to like 0.5x. And yeah. you know what I mean? It's just right in there and then get every single fucking note, you know? Yeah, when you slow it down really slow and you really hone in on the specific could be, you know, because rhythm is like the whole thing. It's like a circle. Like you can you really have to it's it's easy to just like you said, like learn kind of learn something and like play over it. Like you kind of have it, right. but when you can like really get it perfect and then speed it up. And it's like, it's like you're adding to your programming. Like it's like new software. And I feel like it comes out in ways that you wouldn't even expect. Hopefully that's the goal. 
Yeah, you mentioned um, Medeski and his contributions to uh, the instrument and just his style is incredible. What is it that to you, somebody who somebody who speaks the language um, on another level, like a lot deeper than most, what is it about his playing that really stands out to you that you connect with? Um, I think I, I really enjoy how he he can play things that are like out like outlines that they don't sound out at all just his rhythm and his like ferocity if that's even is that even a word ferocity yeah veracity okay. but yeah it's safe veracity shot. i think so i, I think that's what we're going yeah. for. <laughs> it's fine yeah. but um he yeah i just he he's another person that could just solo forever and you would never get bored and he leaves the perfect amount of space and just super funky. And he also like, I really like how he kind of treats instruments. Like he kind of breaks the rules, you know, he like puts his hand inside the Mellotron and touches the wheel. Like, like yeah. most people are like, you can't do that. It's a Mellotron. But he's <laughs> yeah. like, fuck that. I'm like, I'm going to just get weird with it. And I actually did over the pandemic, they did like a lesson zoom kind of thing like this. And he had his whole rig in the studio and he went through every instrument and like showed exactly what he's doing with each one. And you can tell that he just loves weird sounds. He's like, this, this is a really cool keyboard, but like, what's really cool is when I turn this pedal on and then it turns into like R2D2 sounds. He's like, that's my shit. Like, <laughs> you know, he's like, definitely comes from like a jazz background, but I feel like over time has kind of embraced the jam scene. Yeah but definitely has that foundation in like quality jazz music. Yeah. He, uh, when they do that dark wave project with Deitch behind the kit, they get real out there. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. Um, that's a cool project. I just love everything he does. Like my favorite out, one of my favorite albums is John Schofield Uber jam. Yep. Which he's on that. And Deitch is on that and a bunch of different people. And that's just, top five album for me i love it so much yeah it's incredible um, so good you mentioned seeing radiohead two nights in a row too i was wondering if like either during your um when you're at berkeley or before it is there one specific live music experience that really like blew your mind like as a young as a younger eli <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, I used to go when I was like 15 to the TLA and see Soul Live and Lettuce and Medeski Martin and Wood. I think actually, so I've told this story before, but me and my friend Rob went, not not Rob Kampa, my other friend Rob, who would actually have the like same birthday, um, which is interesting. But we, I was like 15 or 16, maybe 17. And we went to New York to see Medeski Martin and Wood on Halloween. And we took the train in like 16 years old. I probably ate like an eighth of mushrooms, like <laughs> way too much. And we ate it on the train and then we got there. And as soon as I stepped off the train, like looked at the map, like all the different subway lines just turned into like snakes moving around. And I was like, oh boy, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> But we ended up going to a synthesizer store that I heard about. And um, that's where I first found the Moog Prodigy. 
wow. it was wow. at that store and the guy working there is like this german guy or something he's like this is the milk prodigy it is the most advanced synthesizer the way he was talking i was like tripping so hard the way he was talking <laughs> but he's like listen to the bass and he started like playing on it and i was like oh my god i have to get like that. i must have this <laughs> yeah and then i like the one time in my life that i sold weed i sold like a bunch of weed and i bought a Moog Prodigy on eBay. And then I stopped selling weed. Is that the same Prodigy you have today? That's one of them. I have two of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I've, yeah, that's how, that's how I got on that train. What an origin so, story. That's yeah. epic. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Awesome. This is actually perfect full circle because I did want to ask about the Prodigy and we got lost talking about Shrek for a minute there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I feel like the Prodigy is like, at least to me, I'm sure other other folks feel the same way. It's like it's become like a signature dopapod sound now, right? Mm. Like when I hear someone playing a prodigy, I'm like, oh, that's the Eli patch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like I guess what um I guess how did that come about to be such like a signature synth in your rack and that specific sound becomes such a signature sound in the dopapod sound? Well, I think what's interesting about it is I keep discovering new things that I can do with it still. Yeah, I've been playing that like now for 20 or no, if I got it when I was 16, now I'm 34 math, whatever. <laughs> um, I've been playing it for a long time and I still every once in a while, I'm like, wait a minute. What if I feel like, oh my God, I never thought to do that. Holy shit. Cause it's really not that much going on in the synth. There's like, it's like in terms of synths, it's very simply like laid out. There's not a lot going on, but I still find things about it. I don't know how, like, I guess just that it's been like my, or one of my like lead instruments for Dobopod and OctaveCat. And, um, yeah, I just, I like the sound of it. Sometimes I hear it and I, I don't like it anymore just cause I've been hearing it forever, you know, but sometimes I hear it and I love it. It's just one of those things that it's not even a love hate. It's like a, it's like a love like relationship that I have with it. But I just love that it's like really simply laid out and it sounds fat. Like, yeah, it sounds, it sounds huge. Yeah. Like it can do a lot of things and it's pretty solid too. They don't really break. Although when I played it the one time we played at Bonnaroo, it like went so out of tune. Oh, no. It was like 130 degrees. And oh, yeah, the game. weather will do that, right? <sighs> yeah. yeah. So it's, they can go out of tune, but. Yeah, I don't know. I just I keep finding new things with it and I keep using it. But now the grandmother, I, I've been using that and it, it does really cool things too. Like I just found out it has an E uh arpeggiator. You know, like one E and a E uh. Right, 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 right. And there's just so many new things to to just discover with that one. Yeah, those things are cool. Jack, the guitarist in my band, I think he had one of those. He got it like during like quarantine, like March yeah. or you know April when we were all stuck inside our houses, and he yeah. just played with it and did live streams with it for a couple months, and then he ended up selling it. But yeah. he like you know had had his little grandmother phase. He said it was awesome. It's great because it has the real spring reverb in it, right? And that reverb sounds amazing. It definitely it doesn't cut quite the same as as the Prodigy, but. Mm -hmm. All the art, you know, what's really cool about it is the, the modulation goes like probably like 10 times as fast, like on, on the prodigy, you can go like 
and it gets to like this point where it kind of turns into like a distortion. Yep. But on the grandmother, it goes past that and it turns into like like alien like <laughs> fuck it's like and then we put the arpeggiator on that and it's like yeah. it's it's like it's wild. it sounds cool it sounds very cool i love it so is that what you've probably been primarily been using the grandmother for is the arpeggiators at least with dopapod yeah little arpeggiator stuff and i'll use it here and there um yeah pretty much just arpeggiator mm-hmm. But yeah, like the reverb sounds really, really nice on it. So you throw a little yeah, long trail, extra, extra space around everything. Yeah. So speaking on mushrooms, um, what are your thoughts on the uh, symbiosis of psychedelics and improvisational music at this point in your life? I mean, it's it's like peanut butter and jelly, right? We're like (laughs) pretty much hand in hand for a lot of. I mean, it's what it's always been. Exactly. Going back to the dead. And like P Funk, they were like all about it. We we've just been doing like microdosing, like eating the smallest amount, and it kind of like dissolves the ego a little bit. Mm. So you don't have that thing where you're trying to show off. You're just like, this feels good. <laughs> I'm gonna play this one note. Nice, ding, you know. Ding, ding. <laughs> yeah, it's like kind of lets you zoom out a little bit. And we like doing it like for like big shows, like when it's like the <laughs> most scary to do it like we did it at, at peach and it was like all right this crowd is like huge we're doing this like that yep, crowd was it. enormous for yeah you guys yeah and it was i don't know i don't know why well i kind of kind of what i'm saying i think it does like dissolve the ego and kind of puts everybody on a similar wavelength 100 possibly create some form of like Nonverbal telepathy, telepathic shit. Yeah, it's really crazy. Like, it happens all the time where, like, I'll like switch over to this keyboard right when when Neil will switch what he's doing, and I I don't think he's watching me, but it's just we've also been playing together for a long time, so those things happen. But I don't know. It's just uh, it's also like kind of in uh, you know antidepressant. I think yeah, which is nice. A little, but just a little bit. You can eat a lot. Just a, you just get, a tad. You don't. You only have to go deep so many times in your life. Yeah. You know. Once you go there, you see it. You're like, all right. And then, like, you go there again. Like, all right. This is what was it here before. Don't really need to. I'm, like, I'm 34 now. I probably <laughs> reel it in a little bit. Yeah, reel it in. So, like, I'm, I'm. I am now an adult for sure. I probably should. <laughs> not you know do certain things but you gotta have fun too life's exactly. all about fun if you're not having fun life's too point? short not it's that too fun. short it can all go away so fast yeah on peach too because i remember for a few years in a row um you sat in with lotus at peach and it was like a thing um mm. and i was i would always look forward to that and then from there you know down the road you and Jesse formed Octave Cat. And um, yeah, I just always wanted to ask you what it's like writing music with him and recording music with him because I respect your musical mind so much, but him as well. I mean, the Miller brothers are just yeah. special guys. Totally. Um, I love working with Jesse. He is such a good, like, kind of like a role model of like how to work hard and how to like 
be your own boss. Like he does everything. Professional. It's amazing. Professional. Yeah, like very professional, very talented, so many different skills. Yeah, he's doing he like the so artwork. Much. I see him sometimes yeah. for a load of stuff, right? Yeah. He does a lot of the artwork. Yeah, he's He'll very do DIY. Yeah, he's just he loves like to work, but it's you can tell that he gets like a lot of joy out of out of it. And writing with him is really fun. Like usually either one of us or also Charlie does, you know, we'll make a demo too. Incredible but we each like drummer. we'll kind of make these like demos and then we'll bring them in and kind of mess around with them. And and I feel like Jesse's very good at like knowing when something has like a catchy sound to it. For you know, I'll just kind of like jam over something. He's like, I like that little thing right there. Like, all right, let me explore that. Um, I think that our like we have it's like like a Venn diagram, but like we definitely have like like different tastes. We have some overlap, but we have like some different opinions about things. So every once in a while, like he really wants it this way and I really want it that way. And like one of us has to budge. And usually I'm like, all right, let's just do it your way. Cause he's like <laughs> doing he does a lot of the he's like the leader of that, I would say. He he really like he just kills it. And um it's just fun. Like with Dopapod, I'm kind of one of the leaders. We're all we're all leaders, but like I historically was like kind of like the leader guy. And so it's nice in Octave Cat to like have some of that stuff lifted away from me. And um, yeah, I mean, he's just really he's just extremely you know prolific with his output. He's always making stuff and we have some new stuff coming out actually that I'm really excited about. It's going to be awesome. Cat? Yeah. 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 So that we're doing a show, we're doing like a few shows in the summer, but we have like this new album. We need like one or two more bangers as they say. Right. But we have like a lot of good stuff that I'm really excited about. About that songwriting stuff. I do feel like it's good to have someone that I don't want to say maybe butt heads, but like you come from different angles and yeah. sort of push each other because if it's, if there's no one to like, it's almost like fact checking your work or something. Cause if you just write a song and nobody pushes back on it, then that's a song. But if someone pushes back, you start to like, it just put, can push the song to the next level sometimes, you know? Absolutely. I think yeah. that's huge. Like everyone's had that experience where you are sure that what you made is sick. Yes. And you're yeah. like so excited about this. Yeah. And you show it to everyone. As soon as you hit play, you're like, oh God, it's terrible. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And, or like, I, that happens all the time because it's like you make something, you spend so much time with it and you convince yourself that it's so cool. And then you like show it to other people and you're just like, Oh, I don't know. Right. And it's then it was like, uh, what is it? Sunk, sunken time fallacy or something like sunken yes. costs. Like you spent so much time, like this has to be good. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that happens. The opposite happens too, where you like make something that you hate. You're like, this is fucking shit. And then you like put some time in there and you come back. And you hit play on that, you're like, oh shit, this is fucking sick. Like, yeah, definitely. you know, so I feel like I'm very aware of that. And I used to get more like upset at myself or like hard on myself about trying to, to make things a certain way. But now I feel like I'm very aware of the fact that I could be right or, or I could be wrong about any opinion. Definitely. And I'm still opinionated, but I'm, I'm very aware of the fact that my opinion could be wrong. And All the microdosing helps. Yes. <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it definitely does go both ways. Like artists talk about 
I think the separation from the uh, the project or like the creation helps because artists they'll stare at a painting for too long and they'll keep adding little things to it and then by the they ruin it, you know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah the you separation. Can, like, you can like overcook it. Definitely. And I've definitely done that with some of our songs where we wrote this whole song. And then I think it's great when I start and then we start to play it and like, wait, let's change this. Let's add this, add that, add that. And then I ruin it. And then we go back to what it was in the first place. Yeah. You know, that happens all the time. I saw either the band or one of you guys post about one of the new songs you just released was like an old demo from years ago that you guys finally. Yeah. That's the song I'm talking about because there's a version of that song from like probably revival fest from like 2013 or 14 on, on YouTube if you're interested to hear like what it sounds like to overcook something, listen to that version. It's just like, there's so much extra shit. That's like, we're trying to make it just trying to like, you know, make it better, but it was already fine. So that happens. So new octave cat this summer and, um, new dopapod too. New dopapod, new dopapod, May 27th, May 27th. Yeah. Love the board game concept. Thanks, man. I supported. I copped one. And um, nice. Thank you. Love the new track. The you know the Neil the Fro metric modulation at the end. Yeah. And, um, Is that black holes? Black holes. Yeah. Listen yeah. To that. Yeah. Sounds great. So let's talk about the new album. What can new new fans and old fans expect with the new Double Part album? Well, it there's there's some songs on there that are older that okay. just you know never made it to an album and there's a bunch of songs that that are brand new and it was the first album that we really had a lot of time because in the past it was just like get this done we got to get it done we got to go out and tour it needs to be done for this and this like we had the pandemic so i was like all right take our time on this and really hone in on the details for the mixing and the mastering and overdubs and i feel like also the past couple albums we recorded in like other spots and then we mixed it with, with our guy Jocko. This is the first album in two or three that we did all the basics like in the studio with like way nicer gear. And I feel like it's like sonically the best sounding thing we've ever made. And I'm, I'm excited about it and it's cool. That's sick. Um, it's self-titled, right? Dopapod. Self-titled, yeah. It's our seventh album, seven letters in the name. Wow. And the board game, it's kind of like our our like Jumanji. Okay. You know, it's like the board game. It's called Building a Time Machine. Um it has so inside of it, it's an an infinity symbol. And on each segment of that are the songs from our past albums and then in the middle are the songs from the new album and what you do is like you go around the board and you are trying to collect the letters in dopapod and once you get dop twice then you can enter the middle to try to get the a Wow. And if you get the A, then you enter into the time travel portal into the next dimension. That's some cerebral abstract shit. Uh, so who came up with that? So it was definitely a group effort. Okay. But what's interesting about it is we in our past albums have all these different songs about time travel. Yeah. For some reason, right. we just 
started writing stuff with that theme. We were kind of line. Yeah, it's a through line. We, I don't know, like it was kind of like that's an interesting concept writing about a guy or a person that is traveling through time. And so we started doing that a few albums ago. Um, but it was just like two or three songs on every album. And then on this album, there was there was even more of that. And it's almost as if like we are the main characters and we traveled back in time and planted these Easter eggs like throughout all of our past albums. And it kind of turns our entire catalog into a concept catalog. So sweet. I love that. Overarching thing. Yeah. So I don't even know how it happened. It just kind of, we, with the pandemic, we started doing these zoom calls and then Luke Stratton, who was our light and sound guy. And now yeah. he recently moved on, but he in the pandemic started drawing these maps for yeah. for like dungeons and dragons and stuff that was like yeah i've seen that i figured of, he did he design the, yeah, the board for the it. patreon and everything started making good money right yeah. yeah he's doing really well with that and i think that was kind of what inspired like what if inside of the album was a board game like holy so cool. shit that can... and then we just we kept doing these calls and we just kept talking about the details and kept just going deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and then, you know, everyone that's trying to make vinyl right now, it's like, it's like a year wait to get stuff. So this has been like done for a while. We just had to like wait until it was like, we had stuff, you know, ready to go before we could like announce it and share it. I love the idea of like a concept album that, you didn't necessarily set out to make. It was just years of this one theme that kept coming. And then yeah. it sort of all comes together at the end. And this, uh, this one, that, that's really sick. There's actually like another layer to it too, because the other theme that is in a lot of our music is like being in the present moment. So like time travel and being in, in the present moment are kind of like you know, binary pairs. Yeah. Right. They're like, they're like opposites of each other. And then we also have all these lyrics throughout the albums where we're like, you know, life is just a game where the longer you, you play, you <laughs> learn to guide your way. Like, yeah. and then can we play a new game? Right. And Trapper right. Keeper. Yeah. And then in Psycho Nature, there's like a line about a game too. And I don't know if I just like, like the word game. Like I just, <laughs> there's like a lot of times we talked about life as a game, being in the present moment, you know, present ghosts. Uh, there's like all different examples of this. And it feels like it was just like meant to happen. Like we didn't yeah. even do it. It just happened. It's just interesting. I believe that. I mean, yeah, it's awesome to see you guys come. Like, that's what I've always respected about Dopapod is just the creativity and just not phoning things in and really caring and adding depth to and just refusing to be shallow. It's something that's always stood out since I first saw you guys like 10 years ago. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing you guys on 420. So yeah, we'll both nice. be there. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah, it should yeah. be fun. Yeah, we're stoked. Yeah, you guys really. going to fish too? Nah, not yeah. fish, but just yeah. dope pod. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it should be fun. Four twenty. <laughs> yeah, four twenty in New York City. It. Weed's legal now. Yeah, blaze up. We are. We're <laughs> in the future. Blaze on. <laughs> we're in the future. It's happening. It's, we're here. It's cool. Yeah, I just have one more question. So, I mean, you guys have toured the country, um, you know, 
starting in a van. Now you guys are uh, using a bus and whatnot and have overcame a lot of adversity. And when you guys took the break and whatnot, I was just curious to up and coming musicians, um, what's some advice that you would give them that are, you know, making their voyage out across the country now? Cause like, it's not easy. I think, no. I think some fans, some fans are, are non-creatives. They, uh, they don't really see the full scope of behind the curtain. They just see the, when the lights go down, you know? Definitely. Yeah. It's not easy being in a band. It's like you're in like, you know, a marriage with, four plus dudes even more you know all the different people in your life that you're really sharing your life with all these people or at least a part of your life and i think that's one thing we now have like a better balance we have like a healthier balance between our personal lives and and the band life but for like you know for like up and coming bands i know a lot of people are like really I think the biggest first step is like, you have to get an agent. If you don't have an agent, like that's a huge first step. And for us, the best way, the way that we achieve that. And the, the best thing you can do, I think is setting up house parties and doing renegade sets, doing stuff that's like out of the box. Like instead of trying to get, trying to get 25 people to come to this bar and spend money, it's like, all right, we're just going to set up in this basement. We're going to set up lights. It's going to be crazy. And we're going to like hand out wristbands and like, you know, meet people and have experiences with these people. And like, you will make your lifelong fans at these things. So that is my one word of advice for up and coming for like a band that's trying, you're trying to actually do, first of all, you have to really want to do it because yeah, 100%. You need that otherwise conviction. just don't. Yeah, <laughs> right. Don't bother it's if you don't really years. want it. <laughs> At first, to build it, you have to sleep on floors and all that stuff for years. And you just like, you really have to like grind it out. And eventually, things happen. But it, it really, like, I feel like it's like a campfire and everything you do is like you're, you're adding logs to, to the campfire. And if you like, it does, it is kind of unfortunate, but the reality is like, if you stop putting logs on the fire kind of burns out. That's so true. And that, that causes anxiety. Like there's like a point yeah. of it where you have to be like, all right, I gotta, gotta stay, gotta keep pushing. But like, there's, there's like, you know, a spectrum. They're like, you can do that. You can be like too much in people's face all the time, yeah. but you can also be like, if you're not doing anything or like staying somewhat active, like the fire kind of goes out. So like everything you do, like new album, big log, hopefully right. good show. Like you can have one show that just pops off and that's a, that's a big log. And right. And like, it goes viral or something on YouTube and everyone watches it. Yeah. yeah. Just, you never know. And I think like the other thing I would say is, oh, I don't know, like do I, for, I'll just speak for my, myself. Like I would rather try to make something that is like unique to me and fail then try to like cater to what you think is going to be su successful and popular because if you do that you're not playing what's like really in your soul and then you're playing you have to keep playing those songs forever so right. it's like finding the balance of like making music that really resonates with you um yeah, not just like, all right, well, this is what everybody wants. Like, we're going to play 
you know, this style of thing, because this is what you think people want, but I think people don't want what you think they want. They want you to be genuine. And it's like, that's what we try to do that. It's obviously like you, you're always going to be, I'm always going to be like trying to be like John Schofield. Cause he's my favorite <laughs> shit, you know? Right. But you like add all these different ingredients of what makes you excited about, about life and music and like create your own version of it. And, but it's still fucking hard as shit being in a band. It really is. Yeah. Just the psychological just, aspect, the relationships between everybody. And like, it's like always like one person is kind of in a bad mood. Me a lot of the time, but it's <laughs> That's always so true. Like it one, just cycles. Right. So yeah. True. And the other three or however many people in the band, like pick up the slack for that person. And that's kind of what's cool about it. Like if I'm super down, the other guys kind of step up and vice versa. And, and then that one like, night that you're all in a good mood, that's the killer show. <laughs> yeah. And that's the best. I mean, that is the part where you're not working anymore when you're right. on stage and you're playing music and time. That's what's cool about like the time travel thing too. When you're playing a concert, you do travel through time. 100%. How many times in a jam do you just like, where did those 20 minutes just go? And you listen back to it and you don't remember it at all. No, yeah, That definitely. is time travel. It's the same thing. And that's and when you're really in that flow state, that's such a good feeling. It's like there's nothing like that feeling. And people like are sending energy back. And it just like it like makes you feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, this is amazing. But yeah, then you what? play the, the Tuesday night and fucking wherever. Right. And you like you your soul is tested in those nights. <laughs> you're hungover, exactly. you just drove eight hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And right. there's like 20 people. But those 20 people, if you can not just phone it in, but like turn it on for yep. those 20 people on a Tuesday. That's what people like. I can't believe how sick they just fucking played. Like it's, there's no one here. This is right. exactly. And then those are the shows that down the road, when you do make it to the next level, they're like, yo, I remember seeing them in a bar with yeah. 20 people exactly. and they went off. And I'll always remember that. But I also think that being in a band is very, I always compare. There's so many good comparisons to the NBA sports in general but yeah, especially moving basketball the 100%. moving the ball everybody has their eyes open yeah. they're aware yep. they're watching what everyone else is doing and no matter how good you are you're gonna have a bad game every once in a while yeah no matter who you are and then if you, you have somebody on the squad that's just chucking up air balls from the three-point line instead of like moving the ball like yeah everybody hurts notices. everybody else yeah right. And the crowd's like, they're not and like, you're never going to win the championship with that kind Ever. of selfish play. Ever. Yeah. And it's like, you're in a unit. You're part of like a, you're part of a team that you're all working together to, to accomplish and just like, you know, enjoy your time together too. I think it's like very similar. I don't really know. Cause I'm not in the NBA. <laughs> I used to want to be in the NBA when I was in like fourth grade. I just like, I don't know. I love basketball. It's my favorite. No, yeah, definitely. The analogy makes the most sense with jam music, yeah. basketball specifically, or like hockey, just moving the puck, moving the ball. Yeah. And they put it in the net. The five man squad too. Yeah. It's like four or five, but, you know? Yeah, like exactly. But there's no, there's no like defense that's playing true. against you. It's kind of like you are your own defense. Right. You get in your own way, kind of. Yeah. That's so that's true. the only thing about it. But definitely like your coach, like, like your agent and your manager they're kind of like 
the GM and the coach, right? you know, like they're, they're making the, they're seeing the bigger picture of the whole thing. Um, next up, we need like a Dobapod basketball game to follow up to the board game. Yes. <laughs> Ooh. There needs to just be like a basketball and music. Some like I don't know, some some kind of podcast or event or yeah something. It could be called I'm, NBA Jam. Yeah, I'm in. Well, no. that's what I was just gonna say. I'm a part of this <laughs> NBA Jam group. Um, it's like a fantasy basketball thing with like oh, nice. a bunch of different people in the jam scene, and it's very fun. There's like a group chat, and it just gets really silly and fun in there. But yeah, like if there's ever like an um, an All Star game in one of like the major cities where a lot of people are at definitely going to do something there like an after party jam nba jam that would be lit kind of that'd be awesome yeah. that's a good idea yeah it's a good idea but uh yeah eli thanks for uh taking time to sit down with us and discuss music and dopapod and octave cat and everything it's an honor thanks for having me it was really fun yeah we really and appreciate it, it. and you know we got to do some space bacon some dopa bacon we, we yeah, need that I'm the down, fans dude. need that there's so much crossover between the two yeah. fan bases yeah wait we didn't need- you guys like you like tease the dopapod song or something yeah. what if you did like donkey kong french bowling well we, we've, we've done donkey kong a couple times but yeah, yeah. um yeah a couple years back jack used to always tease french bowling yeah, yeah. such Garcia. a good lick Garcia, yeah I remember. <laughs> yeah cool yeah, you guys yeah. sounded awesome in that video i saw i was like damn oh, thanks off. man yeah, I'd love to get some stuff together. We're yeah, we're into space travel it. and time travel and all that fun stuff too. You're into that too? Yeah. All right. <laughs> let's do it, man. Let's do that. Let's get that on the books. But yeah. Uh, Eli, thanks again, and we'll see you on 420. Thanks, guys. I'll see you then. All right, brother. Bye. Bye. Right, be well. Peace.